0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Sizable recap upcoming on today's show with your still unshaven, rabbinic looking host of a fantasy basketball podcast. I am Dan Vesperus. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sportsethos.com presentation. You can find me over on social at Dan Vespers. Some of you, I believe, are even watching this show on social right now because we've opted for the simulcast here over the last week or so. It seems like it hasn't created any uh, negative. Like, it doesn't seem like there's any downside to doing the simulcast. I, I still don't entirely understand what the positives and negatives might be, but we'll just keep doing it for now. We got a lot of games to cover. Today. Uh big busy MLK day slate to recap. We had some guys that returned from injury. We had some 40 burgers. A few of them actually. I think we had three 40 burgers yesterday. That's a lot of 40 burgers. News of the morning. Trying to do a better job of giving you news of the morning. Not much today. Uh Jay Crowder is the news of the morning that he's uh back for the Bucks. He'll play a little bit. He'll probably get. Mid-20s and minutes, but that's not going to creep in. Will play no role at all in your 12-team league. He'll be useful in some deeper formats, though. And then also, everybody on the Nuggets, who was questionable for this game against the Sixers on the injury report yesterday, they've all been upgraded to probable. So I think there was a fear that perhaps the Nuggets might try to arrest some folks, but it's a TNT game, and so Adam Silver came in and was like, Nah, you're going to arrest these dudes, you're going to wait. Nuggets, nah. So that's good news if you have nuggets. I uh, hope you guys liked the weird little one-off show we did yesterday, the trade machine episode. I don't know; it was kind of fun. I have no idea if it was a smash hit. Seems like it was somewhat well trafficked. A lot of comments in the uh, in the chat room as we were rolling through, and uh, so maybe we'll try to do another one of those down the line. In the meantime. Let's just dive straight on in. Again, everything you guys need to know is in the show description. Discord link, sponsor links, Twitter feeds, all that good stuff. Just make sure you follow. That's like a big thing. Like, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, let's go ahead and dive in. Houston at Philly. uh, The continuing saga of how the Rockets' depth has been tested and has kind of been exposed. To that end... You know, there hasn't really been any one culprit with the Rockets, other than the fact that they've just sort of fallen apart here. After a hot start to the year, they are a decent basketball team, but they were never as good as they looked at the beginning of the year. They've been very bad on the road from the outset. Rockets are 4-14, four and 14, which is worse than the Trailblazers on the road. and at home, so at least they still got that going for them. They're the, you know, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. They're like the Sixers from whatever that was, two years ago, I think, where they were insane at home. Ultimately, Dylan Brooks being back is going to be helpful for the Rockets, but they are just sort of, I think teams have figured out a little bit what they want to do. You've seen various parts of their game have kind of come back to earth. They, I'm sure, would love to get Tari Eason back, but at the same time, this is like basically the lineup they had to start the year when Eason was also hurt, and they were putting together wins at that point. So what's going wrong now? It's nothing obvious, really. I mean, shangun has been fine. Freddie Van Vliet was not good in this ballgame, but overall, he's been decent lately. Dylan Brooks being back gets them to almost full strength. It's just, I think the shine has come off a little bit, and now we're seeing, okay, they're... You know They're more of a middling team than a team that's way up near the top. And that's okay. These things take time. The young guys need to get better. Jabari Smith Jr. needs to get better. Jalen Green badly needs to get better. Uh, And they, I'm sure, would love to get Tari Eason healthy, but Cam Whitmore, Amon Thompson, two very promising rookies on this club, they will also need to and will likely get better. But these things take time. From a fantasy standpoint, the only thing you're dealing with here on the Rockets is thinking, all right, how long am I willing to sit on Tari Eason? And that's sort of format dependent. Because if you can, you should. And if you can't, then, well, you know that better than I do. As far as Philly goes, Joel Embiid is back, and he's real back. 41 points, 10 rebounds. He did it in three quarters again. Tyrese Maxey uh, was better in this one. He's been kind of slowly tapering uh, prior to a couple of big ball games here, so it was good to see him push back up from... 20 to 15 range. That's good news. My question coming into this game was whether Kelly Oubre Jr. would have enough wiggle room with no De'Anthony Melton, but yes, Joel Embiid in the lineup. And the answer was no, not really. He only took eight shots in 26 minutes. Some of that was blowout related, but I mean, really, how many more shots did we think Oubre was going to get if this game was tight down the stretch? An extra, what, three, four minutes would be the assumption there. So... Do we or don't we stream Oubre Jr. with Melton out for at least a week? My inclination is to say no. Head-to-head makes sense. I think Philly, if I'm remembering right, has a pretty good schedule this week. Um, Roto, where I make a lot of my final decisions. Okay, is this player good enough to use against a games cap? And I think the answer there is no. New Orleans uh, had all their guys back. You gonna know, talk about the ultimate weirdo stretch here. The Pelicans rested everybody and got a win in their last ball game, and then brought everybody back in this one and got a loss. And that type of weird stuff happens when two teams play each other a couple times in a row, which is what just happened. Pelicans beat the Mavs on Saturday, 118-108 with all backups. And then the Mavs beat the Pelicans yesterday with their starters, 125-120. Kyrie Irving is on a serious, he's on a bender right now at, at this point. He's up to number nine on a per-game basis. He passed Kevin Durant and Larry Markkanen during the last little stretch. He's got a little ground to cover if he wants to catch Luca in per-game uh, stuff. But the way he's playing right now, I think we talked about it on yesterday's show, he's been the number three player in fantasy since coming back from his foot injury. Luca being out certainly doesn't hurt the case. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a stream when either of the two superstars for Dallas is out. And then, as far as the other guys go, uh, well, first of all, Derek Lively being back, he's someone that definitely needs to be rostered. But as far as the fringy guys go, uh, no Derek Jones Jr. and no Dante Exum for this one. But nobody really stepped up. Josh Green was the one where it's like, well, maybe there's enough shots, and no, no, it's not worth it's not worth taking the plunge. I, you know, as guys come back, like if, if it was right now, if it was Tim Hardaway Jr. as like the second in command and then you had Exum, I might, I'd probably consider it or Derek Jones. If one of those guys was in, I'd probably play them. If when Luka comes back, I'm not sure that I play the Mavs streamer type guys right now. And then as far as the Pelicans go, we, we talked about it again on yesterday's show. So I, I feel like I'm repeating myself a tad. But Jonas Valanciunas is now trending down a bit. I don't think it's going to be a precipitous drop-off, but with Larry Nance around and providing stuff that JV doesn't, which is defense for the most part, there are going to be games where they pivot in his direction. This was the reason that I was low on Valanciunas coming into the year and obviously missed badly because he's been very good. Uh, But now we're starting to see some of the Nance effect, which we didn't really see during, obviously, Larry's injury. But over the last two or three weeks, Valanchunas is more like top 80, which is still higher than I was willing to take him. I thought he was going to be more in that 100 to 125 range. So, yes, I still was too low, but this is starting to look a little bit more familiar. So JV might be more of an 80 range guy now going forward, as long as Nance stays healthy, which, again, could be two days, could be a couple weeks, could be the rest of the year. And I think you should treat JV accordingly. Getting a bunch of Trey Murphy questions, he's a hold. Because his threes, steals, and efficiency are good enough that it sort of counterweights the the fact that he doesn't do much in other categories. This is the magic of how good can you be in one thing in 9-cat? And how bad can you be in another? And which thing actually wins out? Detroit got a win yesterday, ladies and gentlemen. It was a it was a day. It was a wild wild day. Detroit now 4 and 36. It was going to have to come against one of these bad teams. They beat the Wizards 129-117. Alec Burks 34 points on 17 shots if you're getting 2 points per field goal attempt and not taking that many free throws to get there, that means you're hot as hell. And he was. Burks had eight three-pointers. He's very much been streamable with Cade Cunningham out. I almost said Cade Thompson. Who the hell is Cade Thompson? Jalen Duren, one rebound away from a 2020 game while also shooting 8 out of 8 from the field. Good to see him basically back at now full strength. These top 50 over the last three weeks. And that's without defensive stats. He really hasn't gotten any over the last few weeks. So there's room for additional stuff. But listen, I want to talk about how much I love Jalen Duren. And you guys know I do. I've talked, I've, I've mentioned it a few times over the last like nine calendar months that watching Duren rebound is actually one of my favorite things to watch in the NBA. If I could somehow manage to stomach more Detroit Pistons basketball, people just explode off of him. When he's healthy, and he's dealing with his ankle stuff throughout the season so far, but when he's healthy, he goes up for a rebound, and guys just crash off of his body. The sheer sheer power and strength of Jalen Duren is ridiculous but i'm also a pragmatic fellow so i know that you know 70% shooting on pretty good volume 82% at the free throw line that stuff's probably not going to stick steals and blocks probably are a little bit higher he's at .8 combined in his last 10 ball games 16 and 12 the 16 feels a little bit on the high side for him so all these things they'll level off and that's okay but uh because he's fun and he's good Uh, Duren's not really the story for Detroit. Burks is a story. Asar Thompson playing 27 minutes and actually doing something with them was a little bit of a story. I think you can watch list him for now. Isaiah Stewart having an okay ball game, not a story in my opinion. This was the Wizards defense hard at work. And then Jaden Ivey just continued this same pretty remarkable stretch of excellent counting stats. 24 points, 7 boards, 6 assists, 3 blocks, two three pointers he was actually pretty good at field goal percent in yesterday's game as well, uh, but five turnovers and bad free throw percent. And right now, you know that you're playing this, points leagues you're not playing this game, but 9-cat, you're playing this, Are is the good outweighing the bad? And lately, the answer's been no, which seems nuts because over the last four games, he's averaging 21, 6, and 6 with two and a half defensive stats, and yet he's outside the top 150 in 9-cat. Because he's shooting 43% on 18 shots a game, 58% on 6 free throws, and committing 3 turnovers a night. The ultimate points league line, and maybe Russell Westbrook, vintage Westbrook was the ultimate points league line, but this is very much in that vein. Now if you're punting one of those 3 points league categories, the percentages or turnovers, then yes, his value does Jump quite a bit because he's been very, very bad in all three of those things. So I get it. Head-to-head leagues, there are certain builds where he makes more sense. Nine cat. If you're attacking all nine, lately the answer's been no. What can I say that I haven't said already? Washington side. Daniel Gafford uh, took a headshot late in this ball game. We'll see if he's good for their next ball game. He's listed as questionable right now. If he's out, they really don't have many other options on the roster at this moment. Although by the next ballgame, one would assume that Marvin Bagley will be active uh, after this trade with Detroit. He probably gets the start if Gafford's not there. Although maybe they go Anthony Gill and they bring Bagley off the bench. Short version, I don't think I'd go down either of those paths. You got to be a bit of a masochist to want to go down that path. Otherwise, Wizards kept this game relatively competitive, and uh, so, you know, the normal guys played the normal minutes. That's all we really can ask for with this team. Orlando beat uh, New York in a very ugly basketball game, which left us with very few players posting fantasy value. Goga Batadze played 29 minutes, normal if he's going to get that kind of run, then he typically has value. Wendell Carter Jr. was actually very, very good in his 19 bench minutes. Mo Wagner didn't even play, and the answer to the question is no. (laughs) Question being, do I bother with any of these centers? No. Jalen Suggs has been trending down pretty hard. I'm trying to give him the longest rope possible, but he's now outside the top 110 on the season. The field goal and free throw percent have both plummeted. The steals have really come crashing down as well. I'm giving Suggs two to three additional ball games. That's the rope here. How much... How much rope? That's how much rope. If he can't pull it together in the next two to three games, then i probably move on. If he can, hopefully he will, and that would be something. But it is worth noting that Cole Anthony had a better game yesterday, so he got some bonus run. Markel Fultz starting to show signs of life. He played 23 and a half minutes. That also impacts what Jalen Suggs is able to do, because if he's not having a great ball game, these other guys are going to cut into it. So what do you do with all that information? Well, it's becoming conceivable. I don't want to say that it's definitely going to be the case, but it's becoming conceivable that none of those three guys end up with 9-cat, 12-team value. Markel Fultz. You know He's going to get games off. He skipped their last back-to-back. They're going to go very easy on him, and I don't know how long it's going to take to get him up to 28, 29 minutes. It might just not happen the rest of the year. I don't know. Let's assume that it does. Let's assume that it takes, well, he came back on January 7th, so it's been about 10 days to get him up into the 20s in minutes. I call it another 10 days to get into the high 20s, say another week and a half. To that end, you could probably consider stashing, if you want to sort of active stash Markel Fultz if you're in a head-to-head league, and say, all right, you know, and I'll play him over the next 10 days, see what happens. Roto, you'd, you'd keep him on your bench, not use him against the games cap, but perhaps if he gets up to 28, 29 minutes a night, then he posts, you know, somewhere in that 90 to 120 range, which is basically startable, if not at all exciting, And also, potentially, ruins the value of guys like Suggs and Cole Anthony in the process. Because now you've got this sort of subtraction by addiction. Not addiction. Fantasy sports is the addiction. Guys go down on this team. You get stuff for other people. By the way, Franz Wagner's still out. Gary Harris as well. For whatever that's worth. Caleb Houston is your three-point streamer, head-to-head side only guy. Chumo Kiki was fine. So there's a lot to consider with the Magic right now. Hopefully that was somewhat illuminating. As far as the Knicks go, they're just not that good without Jalen Brunson. You saw it here. Like They went up against a good defensive team, and they just they had nothing. Julius Randle was bad. Uh, deuce, Miles McBride was good again for the second game in a row, which was egg on my face. I was like, no way this guy does it again. And he took 17 shots which probably isn't the way they want their offense to be cooking, but he was decent again. I still don't have the stones to pick him up, and hopefully Brunson's back anyway. Dante DiVincenzo is a hold, uh, but I'm not, mostly because I'm a a wimp, I'm not adding McBride. If you wanted to, I suppose you could. It seems like he's a decent stream with Jalen Brunson out. I just know as soon as I do something about it, then he's going to disappear. This Hawks-Spurs game, which ended as a 10-point loss for San Antonio, uh, was at one point, I believe, a 30-point game. Spurs came roaring back to make it interesting. Trey Jones, hold. Victor Wembanyama excellent game. Jeremy Sohan, I don't care. That's your Spurs breakdown. Devin Vassell has cooled off hard. Keldon Johnson, we knew was going to cool off. He's done that as well. People keep asking me why I'm so mean about the San Antonio Spurs, and I just don't trust them. Every time Devin Vassell climbs the board, he goes falling back down a little bit. Keldon Johnson, he's like, he's fallen way out of contention now. So that's why I tried to move them anytime I could. As far as the Hawks go, Jalen Johnson was awesome again. Every time you think he can't be more awesome, he goes and he is then more awesome. He's number 32 in 9-cat after this six-steal performance. Oof. I wonder if Clint Capella is going to get moved. The Hawks are trying to convince us to care. They've had a very easy schedule lately, and they haven't actually looked all that good even during it. Thing is, the Hawks are tied with the Nets for the 10 seed. These two teams that both appear to be completely bottoming out, along with the Raptors, are right behind them. These teams should not be buyers. But I guess you never know. We hear a lot of rumors about DeJounte Murray being on the move. We have no idea who would come back. In a potential Murray trade, presumably there'd be somebody that's playable. But if he leaves, that leaves a lot of usage on the table, which would help someone like Bogdan Bogdanovich, who has now finally cooled off. Not that it wasn't something we were hoping for. It was something we knew was going to happen. The steals are still pretty good for him. I mean, this game was terrible, but overall they're still pretty good. I just I keep waiting. If Capella gets moved, then you get an Okongwu situation. If Murray gets moved... That would actually potentially solidify someone like a Sadiq Bey, longer term, who's been a fill-in guy basically the entire year to this point. But we're speculating at this point. So let's get back to actually talking about something that's really happening. Warriors lost to the Grizzlies, the Zombie Grizzlies. This is a bad look. A lot of what's going on with the Warriors is a bad look. They are 18-22. and 22. They are not good. They are a 500 team at home, which oddly, the Phoenix Suns are also a 500 team at home, but they have a winning record on the road. There are not many teams in the NBA that are competitive that are not better than 500 on their home court. You can say a lot of things about some of these teams, like are the Lakers actually competitive? Not really a lot of the time, but guess what? They're 14 and 7 at home. Rockets 15 and 6 at home. Wanna go Eastern Conference? Bulls. Not a great team. 13 and 10 at home. What point am I proving? The point I'm proving is I I think there's a chance the Warriors go a direction that people aren't expecting. I know everybody's like, oh, Warriors are gonna make a big splash. They gotta make a last run at it. They could also get wild and pull the plug. Do I think it's gonna happen? Uh no. I give it like maybe a 10% chance. But it's something to watch. They've got Chris Paul on the shelf as a possible trade ship. It sounds like they don't want to move Jonathan Kaminga, who had 20-11 and 11 in yesterday's game. But let's just go through it real quick, and I'll tell you what I'm doing with each of these guys. Obviously, you're starting Steph and Clay, who wasn't very good. Uh, those are the two sort of no-brainers on this team. Draymond is back. He played 24 minutes. That'll ramp up into the 30s. He's worth rostering to kind of see how this goes. So Draymond is a roster. Dario Saric had 13 and 7, but only 23 and a half minutes. No, I don't think he can do it in that amount of playing time on a nightly basis. Wiggins played 31 minutes had 16 to 5 with a couple of blocks. This was certainly a step in the right direction, but I, I, there, yeah, no, I don't believe what I'm seeing out of Wiggins because every time it looks like he's going to have a slightly better ball game, he goes and has a terrible one right after it. But his minutes have been better the last three, so that's at least something to monitor. Wiggins is a monitor guy. Same story for Jonathan Kaminga, who, I don't know, I don't know that his minutes are going to be locked in in the mid to high 20s every ballgame. Keep an eye on it. He's better in head-to-head than Roto, because he has some big gaps in his fantasy game. But monitor Jonathan Kaminga. I don't think that he's going to be a nine-cat playable guy, but he could surprise us, just like Wiggins could surprise us. Trace Jackson-Davis is a drop, and Brandon Pajemski, kind of like Jalen Suggs for me right now. I'm giving him about two more games with the team healthy to see what he does, because he's still got 27 minutes, but it does seem like he's going through that doldrum period of the year, and right now he's hurting more than he's helping. Memphis side, I think we've got some obvious plays. JJJ certainly is a play. Uh, Vince Williams is a play. Luke Kennard is a play. Xavier Tillman is probably a play. I know he wasn't very good in this ball game, but 30 minutes at center usually gets the job done. I'd like to see what happens between Tillman and Aldama, who only played 17 minutes, but he did have a pretty good fantasy line in his 17 minutes. I don't think he's a must-add guy right now. Uh, Jacob Gilliard, not an ad. David Roddy, not an ad. Zaire Williams, not an ad. Gigi Jackson is the only player I haven't mentioned because he's running extraordinarily hot right now. This was a much more well-rounded line than the last one. And the thing is, we're dealing with a, a player where we sort of don't really know what they are fantasy-wise. He had 20 and 6 with a couple of blocks in the previous game. He had 23 and 6 with two steals and two blocks in this one. He's getting added everywhere like he's going to be this like rest of season phenom. Uh but I just I can't I can't possibly believe that this is going to keep up long-term. Because these two gigantic games, he's shot 64 and 67%. He's at seven three-pointers. And he's done it in under 30 minutes a game in both of them. Now, yeah, there's usage for days on this team. Because Bane ain't anywhere to be found. Smart ain't anywhere to be found. John Moran is out for the year. Like, what's to stop G.G. Jackson from putting up some numbers the rest of the way? Nothing, really. Like, he could legitimately put up some kind of numbers the rest of the season, but you know a cold spell is going to come. And when it does, the question becomes, can the fantasy game support it? Is he really going to be a guy who's getting, like, a block a game? Is that is that a possibility? He's listed as a power forward in fantasy sites, but he's, just, he's basically playing, like, wing for this Memphis team. So what does it become? The answer is we don't really know. So if you want to call him a speculative ad, I'm good with that. Uh, He's just sort of a little farther down the totem pole in my eyes on this team, mostly because of the unknown. And a lot of people love the unknown, and I'm horrified by it. Cleveland's been playing really well. It doesn't hurt that they've had an extraordinarily light schedule lately, and they've played uh, a couple of teams that they can kind of pick on. Um, but this was a decent win for them. Bulls have been playing better lately. Now, you know, Cavs, prior to this win over the, world, the Wolves, Wolves? What the hell am I talking about? Bulls. at hem. They had lost to the Raptors on New Year's Day and then beat the Wizards twice, the Spurs and the Nets. So the four-game win streak for the Cavs was a bit overblown. This one was a little more impressive. As far as fantasy goes, for the Bulls, you're starting the starters. There's, like, this is a pretty straightforward one. For the Cavs, my guy Max Struess is in just an unbelievable deep shooting slump. I, I, it It's more and more difficult to say that you have to hold on. But the thing is, the dude is averaging some of the most minutes in the league. He's just shooting 39% from the field, and he's at 30, basically, for about the last month and a half. Like, it's a long, cold spell, but his minutes aren't going anywhere, somehow. So this is very much a snowball effect kind of thing. Right now, he's cold, and he's thinking about it. Something needs to break him out of this funk, and when he does, and you start to get on that positive feedback loop, he starts to take more shots, he starts to feel better, he takes even more shots, he feels better, and it's going to sort of snowball in the opposite direction. So I can't, in good conscience, recommend a drop on Struess because he's out there for 35 minutes a damn game. He just cannot throw a hoop, a ball in a hoop. He can't throw a pebble in the ocean right now. Luckily for the Cavaliers, their defense is excellent. Karis Levert, you're streaming while Darius Garland is out. Jared Allen has been very, very good. Uh, Dean Wade and Sam Merrill each had better games here, but I wouldn't read too much into that. Let's keep moving. Jimmy Butler, back for the Heat. And he looked like Jimmy Butler. 31 points, 5 boards, 4 assists, 2 steals on terrific percentages. He's someone that we had called a pretty straightforward buy low. He jumped from number 48 to number 42 with one decent ball game, a few more, and he'll be in the mid to low 30s. We are just not that far away from Butler being... He's probably not going to get into the early teens like he has over the last couple of years. But again, like all we need from Jimmy Butler is one or two games like what Jalen Johnson did yesterday. Just come out and get like a six-steal game. Because right now the steals are the thing that's holding him back. He's at one steal a game in in about 25 games this year. Yeah, he's exactly 25. He gives you like a four-steal game and a five-steal game back-to-back, and all of a sudden he's at like 1.2. That's what's going to move him. His return basically meant that streamers are dead. The era of the stream with Butler and Hero, they were out for a while. Miami had all these streamers. Jaime Akez, Duncan Robinson, Caleb Martin, Haywood Highsmith. I mean, everybody's been rotating through. Even Orlando Highsmith had a brief stream stretch in there. I think it's probably dead. Caleb Martin played 34 minutes off the bench, uh, behind Nikola Jovich. He was fine, but not good enough to warrant a roster spot. And this game was really a big three game for Miami. Bam. Hero, Butler, they did all of the stuff. I'm interested to see what Jaquez's role is, because he probably starts instead of Jovic when he comes back. But again, we're looking at a team now that has Jovic, Caleb Martin, Josh Richardson, Duncan Robinson, all of these guys that could challenge Jaquez for minutes. Is there enough? Like, is he definitely going to get 30 minutes when he comes back in this now log jammed situation? I don't know that it's necessarily a guarantee. So this may be the end of the streaming time for now, I guess. On the Brooklyn side, good to see Mikhail Bridges put up a nice ball game. Well rounded. Didn't shoot great from the field, but had points, boards, assists, steals, blocks, threes, free throw percent. Phew. We need a quite a few more of those though. Cam Johnson was bad, he's a hold. Spencer Dinwiddie was bad. He might not be a hold. Because Dennis Smith Jr. has been out playing him pretty much nightly. Dinwiddie on the year is number 156 right now. So if you're concerned, I feel like you have almost every reason to be. Cam Johnson with a couple of bad ball games, He's fallen outside the top 130 with a really bad stretch lately. And for Brooklyn, they're just not good. So the trade deadline also looms over this team. Could they clear out space to play Dennis Smith Jr.? I doubt it. I don't think that that's a goal for this team. But if he suddenly just becomes better than the guy in front of him, that would be something you'd want to pounce on. I don't think you need to do it after this one. Certainly not with the team mostly healthy, minus Ben Simmons. Who, by the way, Ben Simmons played three-on-three. He's apparently getting closer to a return. I'll still believe it when I see it. But when he comes back, what does that mean for... Who's starting? Dorian Finney Smith to the bench, probably. But then Dinwiddie's not even really your point guard anymore. Ben Simmons might actually make some of these guys better. Like him being around might make Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Nick Claxton. Those guys probably are better with Ben Simmons on the court. But he would hurt Dinwiddie. He would hurt, I don't know how much Cam Thomas can still suffer. He's been relegated to bench gunner role and you only get minutes when they badly need him, which they sort of did yesterday. Royce O'Neal had a good ball game, but you're not going in down that rabbit hole either. I I just, I, I don't Brooklyn. I find to be extremely annoying right now. It's the short version. So hold on cam Johnson. I'm actually okay. If you wanted to move on from Dinwiddie, no to Dorian Finney-Smith, no to Cam Thomas, no to Dennis Smith Jr. For now, no, no to Rose O'Neill, and then obviously Nick Claxton as a start as well. Before we get to Boston, noticing a lot of folks have joined up and are watching live, so that's cool. Thank you for that. The chat room is open, although I don't really do... I'm not going to do all the questions. I'll do a quick scan through to see if there's anything that I obviously missed, and if that's a question in there, then I'll come back and I'll kind of address that towards the end of the show. Also, friends, please take a moment to like, rate, subscribe, however you're taking in the podcast. That's the big thing for us right now. It goes a long, long way. I really appreciate everything you guys have done to kind of help, i say move the needle, but just anything you guys have done to help push the sports ethos ball forward. Anything at all, whether it's a like or a retweet or a subscription on iTunes or Spotify or YouTube, Or now we're doing it simulcast on X slash Twitter. Please do also take a moment to go follow over on that because we do a lot of stuff over on social media that I can't cram into a podcast. We do the pod once, maybe twice a day in a best case scenario. But I can be on Twitter all the time if I need to be. So that's a a very important thing. I know Twitter is a hellscape. Just follow the key people. I hope I will be one of your key people. Uh, and we move from there. Also, shout out to our buddies over at manscaped.com. The longer that I don't shave my face, which here you guys can see it a little bit bigger. I'll make it fluff out the beard for those that are watching on a video feed. The longer that I don't shave my face, the better this advertisement becomes for manscaped.com. Because at some point, I'm going to clean this up. I'm hoping it's today. Yikes, look at that guy. That's not great. That's not great right there, Dan yeesh manscaped.com is the website use promo code ethos20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order ethos20 get 20% off and free shipping on your order at manscaped.com amazing male grooming products amazing over at manscaped so you guys got to check that out and now i'll make my face smaller again because nobody wants to see that Boston winners again. They don't lose very often. Celtics thirty-one and nine. They are kind of running away with the best record in the league, and they haven't lost at home yet. They're nineteen and zero at home. This is a road game. Uh, no Jalen Brown, which meant Al Horford got to get to spot start. You know, we're at a point now in the season where Boston is so far out in front of everybody that they might start giving guys scheduled rest days. Which this maybe this was for Jalen Brown. Al Horford is going to start getting like probably a start a week which doesn't make sense on the head-to-head side I get it but Roto Gamescap he almost deserves a roster spot because I mean he's number 88 on the season right now he's 52% rostered so I I sort of get it um but when he starts you know he's a top 50 60 70 range guy for Roto Gamescap if you get Like, I don't know how many, what are we talking about? The rest of the season is, what, about another 12-ish? 10 to 12 weeks, something like that? If you get one to two of those a week, that's a big deal. Anywho, on the Toronto side, what we're seeing is that uh, Jonte Porter now got the start at center, and he didn't get many minutes. That Young actually got more, but they were both terrible because Pascal Siakam is mostly playing center, and Toronto's mostly going small. R.J. Barrett continues to be warm. Enjoy it while you can, because when the bottom falls out, it's going to get gross. Scotty Barnes, uh, I I do think there's a little bit of a tiring thing going on. He's fallen to number 16 now. It's still a fantastic season. I don't want what... Every time I do this, people are going to be like, oh, no, Dan, you're, you're pooping on Scotty Barnes. No, I'm not pooping on... It's just like to stay inside the top 10 is almost impossible if you're not just a bona fide every-night superstar in the NBA. And Barnes has been amazing, but expecting him to keep up his pace, specifically on the defensive side, rebounds, steals, blocks, always felt a little bit of a reach. So he's coming down a little. I still think he's going to be a second-rounder. Same general story for Tyrese Maxey, but these guys have come off from first-round value. Pascal Siakam is on the trade block. We know that. What happens if he gets moved? who comes back there would there could be an opening if siakam gets moved if no center comes back you figure yaka perdle slides in and gets a whole bunch of extra playing time which would be great for him but you know guys moving like emmanuel quickly slid into a really big role on this team the, things can happen every time i say things can happen i think of oh the places you'll go the doctor seuss book things can happen and frequently do to people as brainy and footsie as you. Indiana blown out in Utah. I know India is shorthanded right now, but boy, the Jazz are a wrecking machine. They're 9 1 in their last 10 ball games, and it's better than that if you go back farther. They're now 15 and 5 at a home, winners of six in a row, and they are not that far away from climbing out of the play in. Benedict Matherin turned an ankle in this ball game. You weren't starting him anyway, uh, but. Now you certainly are not. Buddy Healed is startable while he's starting. I know nobody for Indy really had a good ball game here, so basically throw this one out. I'm still playing TJ McConnell. This game ended early, so he only got 19 minutes. Uh Indy just needs Halliburton back. I mean, they're they're bad without Tyrese Halliburton. And they're worse without Halliburton and Denise Smith. We were sort of semi-watching Isaiah Jackson, but he only got eight minutes because Utah was going to spread everybody out and destroy you. For the Jazz, I'm playing the same three guys every day, which is Walker Kessler, who played 25 minutes and had five blocks. That's cool. I know his other stuff wasn't great, but you take the five blocks. Believe me, you take the five blocks. Markkanen and Colin Sexton, those are the three. Everybody else is a bit of a crapshoot. Chris Dunn, if you get defensive stats, great. If you don't, he wouldn't be worth playing. Keontae George has had a couple better shooting games in a row. But, you know, that's not going to stick forever. Jordan Clarkson, the field goal percent, is starting to come down a little bit. But he had some steals to kind of float his value in this one. He's going to be iffy night tonight. And then a bunch of you guys came out of the woodwork yesterday to tell me I was an idiot for uh, telling you guys to punt on John Collins after one good ball game. I mean, this is the thing, guys. I need you all to have better short-term memories. I try not to be... I try not to be a jerk. I really do. But that one pissed me off. The John Collins, oh, Dan, you're an idiot, really pissed me off. Because over the last month, he's number 150. 150 in 23 and a half minutes per ballgame. He came out and had one good ball game against a Lakers team that can't rebound to save their lives... And everybody was like, oh, Dan, you're an idiot. Dan, you're an idiot. Like, nah, dude. We watched this night in and night out. Night in and night out. The defensive stats are not there. He had him against the Lakers, but outside of that, he's averaging, like, I think less than one combined defensive stat over the last month. No, sorry, he's at 1.1 combined. Yeah, the 53% from the field is fine. 83 at the free throw line. Also, like, it's all likable. But he's just not on the floor enough and doing enough to be an everyday kind of guy. If suddenly they were like, oh, by the way, John Collins, you're going to play 29 minutes instead of 24, it'd be a different story because he could roll up an extra rebound or two. He could roll up an extra point or two. He'd be 15 and eight instead of 12 and six. That's difference making. But we've now seen what Utah wants to do on a nightly basis, which is to mix and match, find the right combinations for any given night, and keep everybody flying. High energy. 25 minutes a game, full blast all the time. It reminds me actually a lot of what the Grizzlies used to do like two or three years ago when they were super deep. They are much thinner now. (laughs) Forget all the injuries. They were thin even before the injuries. But you remember when the Grizzlies were just like, 180%, 180 percent 180 miles an hour every minute and as soon as someone got tired they yanked him It wasn't you know LMU in the 80s but it it had that feel and that's kind of what Utah's doing now they're spreading the floor and they're running and they're just going all the time attack 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 and if John Collins isn't gonna get 30 minutes he's not a top 115 guy. I don't know what your cutoff is. 120? So no, I'm not an idiot. I'm just someone who watches every single day instead of one day. I'm mad about that one. That one really pissed me off. That everybody was just like waiting in the wings to say, oh, Dan, you're a moron. You called him a drop. And then he had one good game. That makes me... That pisses me off. I do all this work, and that's the thanks. Uh, Lakers beat the Thunder. Um, okay, so he had a bad shooting game. Lakers... Went offense over defense, and somehow it actually worked out. So there are a few things that happened in this ball game, and you guys know I watch the Laker games a little bit more closely, and I follow along with folks that have sort of tracking data on them as well. First of all, if you want to talk thunder, um, Shea played through a sore knee, and he didn't look like himself. This is one of his more pedestrian games of the year. He shot under 50%, which doesn't happen very often, and he just wasn't as aggressive as usual. Luckily for the Thunder, they have Jalen Williams, who's way better than people realize. He's now number 50 in 9-cat, and he just keeps crawling up the board. He'll be a fourth-rounder probably by the middle of next week. But otherwise, there isn't a whole lot to go on here. Chet Holmgren still got his three blocks, but fair to say Anthony Davis probably still a little bit better than Chet Holmgren. But everything's fine there. Let's hope that uh, Shea doesn't need any time off. As far as the Lakers go, this scenario, I know the result. Let's talk with D'Angelo Russell first. 14 points, six assists, two steals a block, and a couple of threes. The five turnovers were not good, but everything else is what you want. The main thing with D'Lo is that he started and played starters minutes. Some of that has to do with the fact that Cam Reddish and Gabe Vincent are out. But not all of it. I do hope the Lakers finally realize that rolling a lot of Cam Reddish was not a great deal. Or not a great idea. They need offense. I don't know that their roster is ever going to be good enough as an aggregate defensively to deal with fast players. This is a slow basketball team. And the one guy on that team that can that has a little bit of speed, two, sorry, two guys in point of attack defense are Max Christie, who struggles in other parts of his game because he's still very young. And Gabe Vincent, who's been out basically the entire year. Austin Reeves is not a good point of attack defender. Delo's not a good point of attack defender. Torian Prince, what if he was at one point in his career, not anymore. Cam Reddish is like kind of okay at that, but not great. So a lot of guys are going to get beat on this team, meaning there's going to be help, and then there are going to be kickouts to open three-pointers. And teams are doing that to the Lakers. So, and my hope is that at some point here, the Lakers are finally like, look, we just... We can throw Cam Reddish out there, and we can throw Torian Prince and Jared Vanderbilt out there all we want, and those guys are going to try to cover their guy, but at some point the other team is going to get a switch, and then they're going to beat someone. So we need to be able to keep up. And so the Lakers went back to a starting lineup that was basically the one to start the year. There was briefly a moment on Twitter where it looked like they were going to go Vanderbilt at small forward, which would have been like last year's playoff run team. But they went and Prince instead for the, presumably for the floor spacing. I don't know if D'Angelo Russell is going to keep this starting job forever. I don't. They won yesterday, small sample size, and some things had to break their way, but they did win. And overall, it still feels like a better idea for the Lakers to go try to actually score a few points in the first quarter, as opposed to praying the defense is going to hold which it doesn't because someone they're starting is going to get beat because they're not going to go anthony davis lebron james and three exclusively defense first guys that's just not enough offense eventually another team's going to hit some shots and you're going to get buried but this realization i hope is what happened is why i kept Preaching buy low on D'Angelo Russell or hold on D'Angelo Russell, depending on whether you had him. He was our prime buy low on last Thursday's buy low show. And I put the buy price at, you might be able to pick him up. And then someone, I forget, one of you guys in the chat room was like, he's not wrong. I just dropped him. You probably could pick him up, which I (laughs) thought was really funny. (laughs) I appreciated that comment. But this is why, because when he starts, he was rolling top 65 earlier this year. And then the Lakers just kept yanking him around, and he got more and more irritated. And lo and behold, he's at a couple of starts now, and he looks like a happier player. And D'Lo was doing a really good job of playing the passing lanes. He was just more engaged. This probably does hurt Austin Reeves a little bit, although he was fine yesterday, just that you know he's not going to be solely in charge of who's handling the basketball when it's not LeBron. And frankly, the Lakers looked better... When LeBron was not the primary initiator on offense, when he was able to cut or move the ball or be the screener, because LeBron is gigantic. Christian Wood is playing well lately, not well enough to be uh, used against a games cap. Vanderbilt had a better game, but again, not good enough to use against the games cap. Same story with Rui Hachimura. Pretty much everybody else besides the four actual offensive threats on the Lakers can be dropped in Roto. Um, and if somebody likes what they're seeing out of D'Lo right now, uh, you could maybe even sell for 75, 80 range. Eh, That's probably too hard to pull off, but something to think about. He could still get traded, might still get traded. Everybody's just assuming the Lakers are going to trade D'Lo. I don't know that it's necessarily a lock. It sure kind of feels like it with the way they've been treating him, but we'll see. We'll see. And uh, that's your card from yesterday. Today's a small one, so we're not even going to bother with the with the preview there. Instead, as I roll through the chat room, I once again want to remind everybody to please take a second to subscribe, however you're taking in the show. And if you're watching on one of our video feeds, make sure to hit a like button and follow over on social media. Uh, we had a question about Jalen Suggs and Cam Johnson. We answered that during the show. Uh, shout out from Jakarta. Wow, awesome. Yeah. Uh sweet man, thanks for watching. That's really cool. Indonesia is a fantasy NBA today fan. Uh let's see here. What do we got? Um anything else in the chat room that I wanted to get on here. There's some trade questions. Make sure to pop those in the comments after the show. Uh this guy says, "Dan, are you hiring?" Uh well, so hiring is probably not the right word for it. We are always looking for like people who want to break into the industry. So contributors here at sports ethos, um, ping me over on Twitter or you can email here. Let me put the email address on the screen. It's support at sportsethos.com If you're listening and you, and you're interested in it. Um, But this is the email address to send uh, an inquiry to. If you would like to learn more about being a contributor at sports ethos, we're looking for basketball, baseball, football, uh, hockey, soccer, golf, DFS, wagering, whatever your passion is. The difference, I think, in what we do here at Sports Ethos is we don't want people that are just going to dabble. We don't want someone that's like, oh yeah, I can do like a half an hour a week. No, you got to be ready to invest yourself. Make this part of your life, if it isn't already, and grow from the very basement and work your way up. That's what we want. We want the diehards at sports ethos because anything that we put out from this website, we want to be able to every one of us wants to be able to stand on that take and say yes, we are all on that. That's a good take. So we take it very seriously here because honestly like you know we're not a big website. I think we're bigger than small now. We're like a like a medium medium sized fantasy sports website. The way we grow is by beating other sites. I love all of these people. But we need to beat them. (laughs) It's a silly, like, there's just only so many eyeballs to go around. Um, So just being honest here, like, we got to be better than everybody else. That's the only way we win. And that comes down to everybody, right down to the folks running the news feed, which is at ethosfantasybk, by the way. Hey, a new listener. Awesome, man. Sar, welcome. Happy to have you. Um, let's see here. Uh, Some of these. I want Again, I want to take questions that I think can value to everybody. Um, Saur so Ask is the value column you're showing, is that considering only 9cat or other categories as well? Yeah, so mostly I talk about 9cat. If you want to make any tweaks to it, I, I count on people watching to sometimes do that themselves. Um, If there's, you know, someone like a Jaden Ivey, for instance, we did a little bit more. We talked about him a little more because... His game was so well-suited to points or punt or whatever, uh, but typically we're talking 9-cat. And I did a poll earlier this morning asking people what format they play, and like 70% said 9-cat, which actually kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, let's see. Uh, is Bruce Brown must roster? I didn't talk about Bruce Brown today, so we'll throw him in the mix. Uh, no, actually. Well, well, Halliburton's out. The answer is probably. Um, but when Halliburton was in, that was a no. Now, yesterday's game was, was fluky because they got blown out. Um, and Bruce, I think, was out for that game, if I'm remembering right. Didn't he not play? That's why Matherin started. So... Um, with Halliburton down and Neesmith down, Bruce Brown is startable. When that team is fully healthy, I think the answer is no. So he's more of an injury fill-in than he is an actual startable guy. Uh, Plenty of you guys—I say a lot of questions in the chat room that are trade stuff. You guys feel free to answer each other's, or you can put it in the comments section on the video after we wrap this up, which is happening now because we've gone uh, over 50 minutes today. It was a big card to recap Tomorrow, this is a fun one. I'm really excited to give you guys this preview. Tomorrow, around 11 o'clock Pacific time. I'm checking my phone to make sure I'm getting the number right. Aaron Bruski and Dr. A on the show together. Legends of Fantasy Basketball episode of Fantasy NBA Today. Uh, We'll probably skip recapping the very short Tuesday card. There's just three games tonight. If anything crazy happens, we'll throw it in there. But tomorrow's show is going to be all about the legends. Steve Alexander, Aaron Bruski, Steve, of course, was just uh, inducted to the Fantasy Basketball. I believe he's in the Hall of Fame now, right? Isn't that I to get that news right? So that's pretty awesome. Uh, and those two guys worked together in the early days of Roto World when Fantasy Basketball was just becoming a bigger thing and the internet was becoming a resource for it. I know I personally sort of grew up my Fantasy Basketball love on Dr. A and then Brew. And so it's going to be a lot of fun to have those guys on the show together Tomorrow. They'll be telling stories. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on in fantasy sports this year, more of these sort of big trends. How uh, you know, guys at the top of the board, are certain categories becoming easier, harder. You know, we'll talk big picture stuff, but mostly it's gonna be story time tomorrow, and it is going to be amazing. I'm at Dan Vesperus over on social. I'm also just Dan Vesperus as a real human. I'm an ugly bearded man that needs to clean himself up and we'll try to get that done today. Uh, I don't think we're going to have another show this afternoon, but if one pops up, it's a good reason to be a subscriber. So hit that button on your way out and I'll see you guys over on social. So long for now.